Absolutely. And I, I think it's important because we've also now raised awareness to how much safety monitoring can save the NHS in resources and the care home. And it's astronomical. I mean, it goes into the, I think it's 138 million um, a year if it was put over the whole of the care sector. You know, this, this again is something we, we really do need to talk about. We, we need to get out there. Silver Adventures is a content and technology company dedicated to improving the lives of older adults through immersive virtual reality experiences. And this podcast is our opportunity to hear from industry experts, thought leaders, and passionate individuals to share with you their knowledge, expertise, and experiences. Welcome to the Age Care Enrichment Podcast. Hello, welcome to the show. My name is Ash Deneef, and we'll be featuring another interesting international guest today. We're chatting to Jane Connery from the UK about safety monitoring in residential aged care. Jane founded the organisation Care Campaign for the Vulnerable, or CCFTV, to advocate for communal area video monitoring in care facilities. And through her work, she puts forward a very compelling argument that monitoring is actually in the interests of not only the residents, but also care workers and the providers themselves, which you'll hear in this episode. Care Campaign for the Vulnerable also support care workers and families all around the world through incidences and disputes in aged care. So if you know someone who is in need of support, they may be able to provide some help. If you missed our episode last week, we're actually celebrating our one year birthday. And we'll be featuring some special messages from friends in the mid-episode break for the next few weeks. And again, we've got a very surprising shout-out from someone we had no idea was listening in. Anyway, that's enough from me. We hope you enjoy our interview with Jane Connery. Well, Jane, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. That's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on. Absolutely. And maybe a good place to start might be with your mum's experience in residential aged care. My mother sadly passed away in November uh, 2019, just a year after my father. My mother was diagnosed around 2009. She was displaying sort of worrying signs of memory. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to fast forward it because it, 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 it is very lengthy, but she was eventually after a battle with the family and with local authority diagnosed with dementia. Then we had the the stresses of funding and and then going into an appropriate care home. Mm -hmm. That itself was one long battle. But when she got into the home, I was working full time for uh, an airline. So I was busy with my own work, but my mother's care and safety would, would obviously always be my priority. So I placed her into a care home that looked fine, went in to view it, and I was promised she would be safe and looked after and there would be a a level of good care afforded to her. So that was my expectation. Yeah. (laughs) Understanding in any walks of life things evidently can and do may go wrong. I sort of thought, well, you know, she's in the care home now. She's going to be safe. Mm. 
So that's really where it all started. It was a very worrying time. Yeah, absolutely. And you must have, as you moved her into the care home, that's a very vulnerable thing to do, right? You need to have a lot of trust in in the people that you're leaving your mum with. And out of that, you created this organization, Care Campaign for the Vulnerable. Can you tell us about the sorts of issues and, and topics that you really wanted to address in the creation there? Yes, I'd like to add on from that, that when my mother was in the care sector, there were many incidences of fantastic care that came from individual carers that had empathy, um, was interested in caring. You know, so it's important to say that, you know, were days when I thought, oh, this care is on today so I can breathe and mm. go, you know. The issue, the reason why I set up care campaign for the vulnerable was very simple. I saw just through my going in and seeing the concerns and the issues that I was faced with, I saw a real need for greater transparency and clarity around incidents within my mum and other residents' care because what you have to remember is my mother and other residents in that particular home had a cognitive impairment. They had some form of early stage dementia, middle stage dementia or late stage dementia. Mm -hmm. So I found that when my mother had injuries to her body or she was telling me she was being not nicely treated in the early stage of dementia, it became very evident that her word wasn't enough. And I saw that very early on. And it was literally when my mother told me one day when I came in from my work, I went in to see her one afternoon. And it's as, it's as vivid now as it was nine years ago. And she just looked at me and she said, a carer attacked me last night. And I think it was one of those moments where my stomach went to the floor. And I believe my mother straight away by what she said, how she said it with clarity and concern. Mm. She was upset. And after a very brief discussion with my family, we called the police and obviously went to management. It turned out, it was a very long safeguarding issue with suspension of carers, but it turned out that my mother was in fact assaulted. The carer admitted it but she was just let go from her job. As far as we know, there was no interaction. We weren't sat down in an office. We weren't discussed, no apology. We just carried on. Mm. I knew nothing about care. I knew nothing about how would I take my mother out of this place. I learned very quickly. And it was there and then I knew that there had to be some form of evidencing, particularly in a dementia care home, um, for incidents, accidents. I mean, my mum had injuries where she was allegedly had fallen. Mm. And this is really feasible because we deal with care campaign now, highest concerns of, of falls in care homes yes. or unwitnessed falls. Yeah, I, I then decided, why isn't there safety monitoring? in the least in communal areas um and it started from there wow quite the journey there and 
To talk about safety monitoring, are you speaking about video monitoring? Yes, uh, safety monitoring would be video monitoring. So it would be like in any work office space, it's a communal area. Mm. So we champion and advocate safety monitoring in the communal areas. And there's a real reason for this because people say, some people say to me, well, abuse happens in private rooms. Why wouldn't you advocate cameras in private rooms? I can honestly say, that the majority, if not all, incidents that we deal with and have done over a period of nine years is incidents in communal areas. Wow. And in communal spaces, elderly walk a lot, they walk around, they wander. You know, you've got lounge areas where people are sitting, they're doing activities. So we sort of found through our research that families were coming to us and it was in these areas that they had their issue. We're not against cameras in bedrooms, but what we would absolutely advocate and would need to be done would be best interest meetings if that person or that resident did not have full capacity. Mm -hmm. And it would have to be done in a very responsible way for proper compliance, proper regulations. You can't just go into private rooms and stick a overt camera up. Yeah. But if a family was truly concerned about concerns about falls, wanted to keep an eye on their loved one for the right reasons, not through personal care, then we would hope a provider would look at that with a family in the best interest of the resident. Yeah, absolutely. And to go back there to the, the public spaces that you're talking about, and if you're reviewing incidents or you're working with a family to examine an incident, is this just falls or what sorts of scenarios are you looking at? We, again, I'm going with what Care Campaign for the Vulnerable is brought mm -hmm. because I can only really emphasise the need on what families are telling us they want and care workers. It's important to note that when carers are taking care of vulnerable elderly, they themselves are made vulnerable. Hmm. So we, we very much champion carers, our dedicated care workers, to be safeguarded and protected as well. But I think that the, going back to your initial question, that the majority of concerns that we are going into meetings with, with families over their concerns, is unwitnessed injuries through what is told as unexplained injuries. You know, we've dealt with some very horrific uh, incidences where lives have been put at risk through these injuries mm. and fatalities. So it, it's, um, they are unwitnessed. So this is why we advocate safety monitoring to evidence. And, you know, this isn't about spying. All those myths that are often spoken about when you talk about CCTV, safety monitoring, mm. it's there for everybody's protection and to evidence and to ensure that carers are being protected as well through unfounded allegations. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it sounds like what you really want is an objective witness to, to document what's going on. And like you said there, that there may be incidents where an accusation is leveled against somebody who's working within a, a care home and that's unfounded and having that documentation there is going to clarify the issue. 
I think that's an important point. And again, you know, we also support care workers. And I've spoken to care workers. I've supported them in meetings with providers. And it's truly distressing. And there are lengthy and costly investigations that homes have to do when they don't have safety monitoring. Mm. And carers can be suspended. And that's something that has really been brought to us over the years. So we see both sides. And we know that what we deal with at Care Campaign for the Vulnerable, there is an urgent need for better transparency in these homes. What kind of resistance do you often hear from care providers to installing safety monitoring? It's a really good question. I think in the beginning, and I'm talking eight, seven you know, years ago, it was pretty non-spoken about. It was something that, oh gosh, no. No, you're not, you know, dignity, privacy, gosh, hmm. awful. That was what was met with me when I reached out and started Care Campaign for the Vulnerable. Thankfully, you know, now in the last, I would say the last four or five years, it's becoming something that providers are seriously contemplating for the right reasons. And we do go in to care homes on the invite of providers and management to talk to staff and families about the benefits of safety monitoring in their workplace and in their communal area in their home. And it's very successful. And I have seen a a very positive shift. I'd like to see a bigger one with it, but we're very grateful that providers are now talking about it. You know, when we hold events or roundtables on this subject, they're full Mm. and we've got major industry leaders coming to our events and that's a huge step for us yeah i i can imagine that for a care provider interested in implementing safety monitoring they would need to communicate with the staff and to convince them of the need of it as well because they would also be then documented in their day-to-day work how is that conversation often held Again, it's vital that when a provider talks to us or contacts us and said, we're going to place safety monitoring after seeing all your posts, after following your initiative and your organisation, we are now considering placing up safety monitoring in communal areas. And I'm delighted. Mm. And, you know, often they invite me in to have a look. And again, this is something that we love to promote It's very difficult because when providers say, you know, we're we're going to place up safety monitoring, I always say you you must have the conversations. You must talk to families. Mm. You must talk to your staff and residents who have full capacity. It's important the conversation is spoken about because I can understand when you're, you don't work in a place where there's cameras and then suddenly one morning you walk in and there's cameras in those areas. And, and I'm going to be completely honest, you know, whilst it should be accepted by professionals to have this technology in their place of work, we have to remember it is someone's home for, for a period of time that they're there. But again, we speak very vocally 
that safety monitoring is not just there to spy. It, it, you know, it, well, it's not there to spy. It's there to ensure that issues are transparent that may happen. And it also, you know, we've got to also talk about the other positives that it's there for. It can aid in training with carers. You know, providers can look back, can see great work being done, and it can also pick up maybe issues that aren't quite going right. And to have that discussion in the training room with it, it, it's not just there to pick up incidents, it's there to aid training. That's really important. Yeah, uh, using it as a, a good news tool, not just a bad news tool, being able to take some positives out of it, that must be a fantastic sort of opportunity for care providers as well. Absolutely. And I, I think it's important because we've also now raised awareness to how much safety monitoring can save the NHS in resources and the care home. We have an ambassador care home in the UK that has safety monitoring in its communal spaces. And we brought them on board to um, work with us on promoting this technology in care, particularly in dementia care. And they had come up with how much they had saved over you know, four care homes that they had, how much cost savings that they had saved by not calling out an ambulance mm. when an unwitnessed fall happened. And it's astronomical. I mean, it goes into the, I think it's 138 million um, a year if it was put over the whole of the care sector. Mm. You know, this, this again is something we, we really do need to talk about. We, we need to get out there, which we're working very closely at the moment with Joe Morrissey MP who is supporting our cause and hopefully taking it to Parliament in September. Hey guys, Liz Baldwin here. I manage the team at Expression Audiology. I'm Dr Penny Moyle, CEO of Race Against Dementia, or RAD. It's Arkidia Tamayo Mortera here. I am the president of the New Zealand Society of Diversional and Recreational Therapists. It's Professor Joe Badcock here. I'm vice chair and deputy scientific chair at Ending Loneliness Together. Congratulations on your first year anniversary. Keep those podcasts coming. I just wanted to say a big congratulations to the ACE team on their one year anniversary. Congratulations, guys, on the podcast's first birthday. I would like to congratulate you on the first year anniversary, guys. You are truly inspirational. From all of us at Meaningful Aging Australia, happy first birthday, Aged Care Enrichment Podcast! Hi, Ash and Colin. Yeah, some of your friends have asked me to say well done or something for a one-year anniversary. So, well done. They pay me loads of bonds, bonds and burn, a nice little earner to do this message. So, yeah, um, apparently they're impressed you know, with all you've achieved this year. Um, and as they say, where there's a will, there's a relative. <gasps> Who said death can't be funny? So thank you and goodbye. <laughs> Fantastic. So just to dig in here when we're talking about video monitoring. Is this cameras or, or sensors? And but Yes, it's CCTV. It's, there's so many 
I, I really don't want to get into it on this podcast, but that there is vast amount of up-to-date technology that can be used to help protect dignity. You know, it would only be on an, an, on an event basis. If something did happen, then you could go back. There's so much technology out there today. But I think, you know, you only have to walk down the road in London or anywhere mm. in the street and you're protected by CCTV you know, communal areas, you know, ward and controlled areas where elderly and young people live. Safety monitoring is there for your safety. It's not there for anything else. It's there for your safety. Mm. I guess that's my next follow-up question is then in terms of best practices, if you have a system installed, are you storing and then reviewing if only it's an incident or what's the sort of reviewing you recommend there? You look, you know, I've always been very transparent about this. I set up safety monitoring as someone that worked for Virgin Atlantic, visiting my mother, who was in a care home and was, you know, suffered failing, suffered serious incidences. I've learned a lot over the years about the types of technology that's out there and how providers could work with it in their home. But we leave that up to the provider it's important that each home and each provider works with what's best for them and in their home for us the best outcome for us would be independent monitoring Mm. so somebody from the outside brought in but as any positive way we would endorse you know safety monitoring in a communal area if a provider decided to have it to us that's a positive and you said you're working with an MP there. Is this something that you could see potentially as a non-negotiable as offering age services that you need to have safety monitoring? Again, I work probably more now with care providers and within the sector. And I'm, I am very mindful that while we really want to see this across the whole of the sector as a best practice, as carrying out best practice. When Joe Morrissey was interested in what we were doing and, and was still very much, you know, she's still very much involved with our case studies and what we're doing, we actually brought safety monitoring to Parliament in 2018 mm. and we got a lot of press coverage here. Sadly, it just didn't make the grade. You know, it ended as quick as it started. And I find that with anything with aged care in, in the UK, I don't think the emphasis on proper, safe, proper funded, proper support in this country is good at the moment mm. or has been. I think we have a bit of a battle there with aged care in the UK. The emphasis is not put on it by government, this government or governments before. You know, I don't really want to get too political, but we have to start putting the emphasis on how much focus we place on our elderly and more and importantly our most vulnerable elderly in care homes they've contributed a lot in their lifetime and they deserve to be looked after and to be properly funded and to have a government that will put them as a priority we haven't seen that during the pandemic and that's something that we are quite vocal on as well yeah and uh, I'm sure it'll come as no surprise to you that in Australia as well, there's similar sentiments throughout the pandemic that care for the elderly is not really where it needs to be. But perhaps that's a best case scenario that you can have something that's mandated with independent review and that might be a, a future goal. Well, I think that's the way we're sort of looking at it now. For me, 
and I like to work very simply. Mm. <laughs> I like to think very simply. I, I don't, and it works for me. I just don't complicate matters. I believe that we've got probably, I think, five very big providers in the UK. And I always say that if one of them took the initiative to pilot communal safety monitoring, particularly in dementia communities, I believe the rest would follow mm. because it would, it would promote best practice that, you know, one of the biggest uh, providers has taken that initiative to put their service users and staff first. And for me, it's as simple as that. Yeah. And do you know like, around the world, are there any places where, this is, where safety monitoring is standard or is this kind of a global issue to get this going? I think it's a global issue because we actually hear a lot from care workers in Australia. We, we get a lot mm. and we get a lot from America. We get a lot from Europe, like Ireland. We get a lot from Norway. So we do get correspondence and messages come through saying, you know, this isn't just the UK issue. Yeah. And it is very concerning. So you're working with care workers and also supporting families who've who have grievances that haven't been addressed. Can you talk us through some of that work? Well, you know, it's, it's very, very intricate in that when a family in crisis, probably at their most vulnerable time, um, at the most emotional time, they contact us normally when all other avenues fail. Mm. And that's normally what happens when they feel the CQC, which is the Care Quality Commission, they're the inspectorates, um, are not stepping up. We understand that they are limited because they're inspectors, so they take the information in general terms. I find, and our organisation finds, that a lot of families don't quite understand how the care sector works in many cases. So, again, that's something that we come in and we give that's quite invaluable. We will discuss with them what's being said in meetings that they might not quite grasp and we work very closely with safeguarding, commissioning groups, CCGs, social workers, uh, adult safeguard teams. So we work to find the best solutions. We're dealing at the moment with a high volume of what we call revenge evictions with our elderly, which is extremely concerning also. Can you explain that? What's a revenge eviction? Well, we attend many, many meetings and we have done over a period of four or five years where somebody with, and, and we deal a lot with dementia, so a, an elderly person with, who's gone into a care home maybe a few years previously, their needs have increased hmm. and they now need to be moved. So in a best interest meeting, it will be stated that all the assessments have been done and they will now have to be given a period of notice. That's absolutely understood. Mm -hmm. And we support families through that to find another placement. Um, that's just what can happen in care homes. And providers are absolutely adamant on working with the family, working with that resident um, to ensure that they have a very safe transition to another care placement. That's fine. We, we get that. But what's becoming more and more apparent to our organisation, which is extremely concerning, is families are coming to us saying that they 
their loved one, many at end of life, many at a very late stage in their dementia, are being given notice because the families are raising legitimate complaints. And that is something we have seen ourselves in meetings. And it has been stated, you know, in that meeting by every agency that moving this resident or moving a resident would not be in their best interest. But it still goes ahead because the provider has made a decision that will, you know, that they, they want to not have to, um, well, to simplify it, they don't want to have to deal with the problem. Now, I'd like to sit here and say that's very rare. Mm. It's not. Wow. Not coming into our organisation, sadly. I can only talk about the cases coming into us and what we see. I, I can't comment on a general scale, but there's been a huge volume, which we've spoken about publicly and, and our worry on this. Um, and we are actually holding an event around this issue because we find that it, it's becoming very serious. We would like to see every eviction that is served looked at by an independent body from outside. So every eviction that a provider has to say has to happen or period of notice, then we want that to be looked at from an outside independent organisation to be seen whether or not there were legitimate issues that haven't been addressed or whether the provider is absolutely correct that this is in the best interest of that resident. Wow. So it it does sound like an issue with regulation and and oversight. Mm -hmm. How do you make... How do you spark that change? Does that come from government? Does it come from an industry body? Where does that start? It comes, well, from our perspective, it comes from talking about it. So I'm very vocal in a very responsible way. You know, we are very fair. You know, I I don't want to say that the whole of the sector is evicting elderly, vulnerable people. They're not. As I said, you know, these are cases coming to us that are very concerning. It's not one or two. And it's increased since COVID. And that was something that I picked up very early on when we were getting correspondence saying our loved one is being served notice. And we are absolutely uh, aghast that they can be served notice during COVID. We were very concerned about that. And whilst we know that in the care sector, if a provider cannot meet a a loved one's needs, yes, it's obviously in their best interest to to be moved to a, a placement that can. And we know that happens. You know, we are that worried that we are now raising this more publicly yeah. to say this has to become more transparent, this action. Yeah, absolutely. That, that is definitely needed. Yes. Some more scrutiny on this process. Yeah. Jane, this is very important and uh, you've really opened my eyes to something that I wasn't even aware was was occurring in some facilities in the UK, and I'm, I'm sure that there are facilities all around the world that have this. This really speaks to what the experience must be like for family members. There might be this fear that if you raise a concern with the way that the care is being provided, that there could be a reprisal. Absolutely. We get that every day. I spoke publicly about this only a few days ago, that we were receiving messages where loved ones had been evicted from their home. They had been given notice, some legitimately, some were questionable in in our mind, but they had gone into a new care home and 
families then have come to us saying that they have got further issues in this new home, but they're scared to raise the to raise it. Wow. Because they fear another eviction, mm. which would not be good for their loved one. Because you have to remember these elderly people are at later stage, many of them. Mm-hmm. And they're old, you know, that they're, they're, they're at a time in their life where they should be settled, they should not be moving. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's stressful for any of us at any age. So we we were very concerned by the correspondence coming into us where families were prepared to let personal hygiene slip. They were thinking, gosh, if I raise this, I'm going to be seen as a troublemaker. Mm. That's a very dangerous culture. Yeah. Absolutely. For family members and for care workers who are in need of some support, they can reach out to you guys at Care Campaign for the Vulnerable. Could you give us some information there? Where can people contact you? Well, we have a a website. It's ccftv.co.uk. We're on all social media. So we're Twitter, LinkedIn, which is under Jane Connery, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. So we we are across social media. Mm And um, on our website, we have a live talk app. So you can actually, you know, any issues can go direct to myself or another team member. And our email contact form is on there. So we're, you know, or Google us, mm-hmm. <laughs> Care Campaign for the Vulnerable. Um, you can get us on there. Yeah, that's great. Jane, this has been really insightful. Thank you for your time. Is there anything you wanted to cover before we, we leave it there? No, I just want to thank you for inviting me on on behalf of Care Campaign for the Vulnerable. And uh, I know we've all been through a very difficult 16, 17 months and um, we're thinking of you over there. Thanks so much for your time, Jane. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Age Care Enrichment Podcast brought to you by Silver Adventures. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening. And if you're enjoying it, please leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. If you're interested in finding out how immersive virtual reality experiences can enrich the lives of older adults, visit the Silver Adventures website today at www.silveradventures.com.au. See you next week.